0: Hey guys, welcome to Season 2 of The Transfer. We had a lot of fun looking into the life of Jesus uh, in Mark, but now we're going to change it up. I'm Jared and this is Pastor Beck, and we are so glad that you're listening. In Season 2, we are going to talk about the well-known characters of the Bible. Those Bible characters you've probably heard of, even if you haven't been around church much, but you probably have heard of them. We're going to go deeper into their lives and look at who they really were, Tell you a couple of stories about them. And last of all, the lessons that we can take from uh, their lives, which is really, really important.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of like, you know, when you're in English and they, they, you know, the teacher approaches it in different ways. Sometimes the teacher will go line by line and they'll look at, you know, or they'll look at different themes that a book has or a unit of work has around a particular book and then there are character studies and so this is kind of like that we are taking the characters the people from the bible that we are that are easily recognizable and we're going to have a look at the lessons that they teach us
0: beautiful first one that we are going to start with is king david
1: so what do you think david is known for like without looking at anything jared you know as a teenager what would you have known david for
0: David and Goliath, without a doubt. That's an easy uh, easy uh, Sunday school story. It's one of the first that you learn, I think, for sure, that hero battle where the little guy takes out the big guy. First, when I think David, David and Goliath always is the first thing that comes to mind.
1: So a little bit about David. He was the second king of Israel. Any idea who the first one was? Saul. Saul was the second. And when you read in the Scripture... Most of David's story is recorded in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. So you can go ahead and read all about his story in those two books. But a lot of his actual um, songs or writings are recorded in the book of Psalms. Yeah. Many of the songs that were written, um, yeah, were David. So the top of your Bible where you see, you know, the chapter number, it'll, it'll often say, for the choir director... Um, a psalm of David and then we know that um, he was a writer he <clears throat> i think if there's one scripture that sticks out to me God calls David a man after his own heart um, what do you think that means to you
0: a man after when I think of you know, man after your own heart like they they feel the things that you feel they have the same desires that you have. It's interesting, like it called a man after God's own heart. And you look through, you look through David's life. And he stuffed up big time sometimes. Like he, he really, he really screwed up, as we all do. But that didn't stop him. It was almost like his heart got off track. Yeah. Like he still had that heart that was for people. Yeah. Um, and was that heart, full of honor? When I think of, yeah, because David was a worshiper. And when I think of David, I think how much he praised God, how much he worshipped God, how much he loved God. And he had that heart after God, but still stuffed up sometimes. But that didn't mean the heart wasn't there.
1: Yeah, definitely not a perfect man. But uh, I think the scripture is really clear. Even when David was first being anointed king, um, he was often out with the lions and the bears. He was looking out in the field. He was doing kind of the meanly... Lowly task, you know, watching the sheep, and uh, he learnt, I guess, to be a warrior in that setting. But interesting that you know, Samuel comes in and he says, uh, to David's father, you know, line up all your sons and let's see who's going to be, let's pick a king kind of thing, let's look here. And he goes, and David isn't even called in for the lineup. Uh, And it's one of my, you know, one of the things I often think about that you know, we can feel forgotten or we can feel like we're not chosen. Uh, God doesn't forget us and God knows. And so even as, you know, Samuel looks and he says to the father, look, there's someone else here. You're missing someone. And David is called in from the field and David is anointed as king. But honestly, I think one of the biggest lessons I remember as a teenager about this is that David doesn't automatically move into this kingly role just because he's anointed king he's sent back out to the sheep Mm. and he has to continue doing his you know everyday task and it's not then until we see that he's taking you know cheese out to his brothers on the on the battleground that really comes up again and so i think it's interesting that you know sometimes we can feel this call of god on our lives like Mm. yeah i'm gonna do this and, and and people can pray for us and we can feel like god's called me to this but if it doesn't happen instantly we can get discouraged and, oh, God's forgotten me. This isn't going to happen. It's not that. Mm-hmm. Um, but God has a timing and a plan and a purpose uh, to the big picture.
0: I think what's interesting there is that like, there's so many references in the Bible to, to uh, being a good shepherd and that uh, like, God is our shepherd. Like, David got anointed king and then he went out and was a shepherd. I wonder if he learned how to be king in the field right? rather than like learning to be king in a classroom or a royal family or a palace. Or I wonder if he learned more about being a good king and that man after God's own heart taking care of sheep than yep. he could have if he was in a palace, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then the next kind of big, I guess, from there, um, David and Goliath, like you said, mm. that childhood story. Mhm. Um lots of little songs around, you know, David and his slingshot and his five smooth stones. Mm-hmm. Uh I think one of the interesting parts of that story in 1 Samuel 17 is where uh David is just shocked that they would let the enemy intimidate them. Yeah. And he, even as a a teenager and as a young, you know, a young person, he knew the power of God, he knew the shelter of the name of God and and you know, you know he he's heard saying, you know, I'll come against you in the name of the Lord. It wasn't, you know, I think he had a revelation at even a young age that um, God was a refuge and also a, a deliverer. What part of that story sticks out to you the most?
0: Well, I remember this is just a smaller side. I remember my mind being blown when I actually learned that the slingshot was a legitimate weapon. It wasn't just a a teenager's toy. I remember being like, oh, that was actually a weapon that was used in battle. I think that blew my mind when I I realized that probably way much later than I should have. (laughs) Um, I think there's a
1: Malcolm Gladwell, he's a secular um, author who writes on leadership, but he actually wrote a mm -hmm. book about the David and Goliath But, and talks a lot about the slingshot as an actual form Mm. of warfare. Yeah.
0: The thing, the thing that I think, there's a couple of things that really stick out to me in the David and Goliath story. David went out there with the full knowledge, not that he was big enough, but the God in him and the God of Israel, as he said, was strong enough and big enough to defeat Goliath through David. Yeah. Um.
1: I love it, the part in the story where, you know, Saul finally says, "Okay, you can go," mm. um, and then he says, "Well, hang on a minute," and he he goes to give him his armor, and it and David tries it on like any you know, you know, good person who's obeying the king does, yeah. and it doesn't fit, and David has to take it off. He knows that he has to go with who he is, and a reminder that sometimes, you know, we try and put on, you know. Is we try and put on clothes we try and put on you know things that aren't us and god's calling us to be who we are didn't mean he didn't go out and fight mm. it just meant he had to use uh, what fitted him mm. interesting that later on he would wear his own armor so it wasn't that he was opposed to wearing armor yeah. it was that you know it's not like no i don't wear armor yeah. it wasn't that it was that he needed yeah it, it wasn't that David didn't grow into wearing armor. It was that he needed his own set. He needed um, one that fit him.
0: Yeah, and like he was pretty young when he went out there to take on Goliath. Like I imagine Saul's armor was too big and too clunky. And if you're taking on a big dude, they're probably slow. you yeah. need you need to be able to move around. Yeah. Um, one thing that does shock me about that story is that. Obviously, when Goliath released the challenge, he's like, you know, well, I'll take one of your best on, and if you lose, you know, your whole army loses. I wonder what Saul was thinking in that knowledge that if David lost, that was it for them. Yeah. Like, it's almost, it's just mind-boggling to me that, that they actually let him go out there. Because if David lost, that, that doesn't mean David's dead. That means that Israel loses the battle. Yeah. That's that, Well, that's, no one else
1: was willing to go. I guess the yeah. last
0: resort. Yeah. I mean,
1: everyone loves being the last resort. Not mm. you know, no. Everyone. I mean, everyone likes to be first chosen. They mm. like to be the chosen one. Whatever. How often is Daniel? Uh, is David the one that is like
0: left out? Left
1: out, not thought of, mm. and yet God continues to choose him yeah. and show Himself great. Mm. Um, well, from there, David will. Um, move into the palace mm. He'll, uh, and we'll find him often comforting King Saul by playing his harp mm. and, and as he worships the Lord he changes the atmosphere to the point that um, the scripture talks about how it literally calms Saul's heart and mm. changes the atmosphere so David is unique he is a worshipper and a warrior Very unique to David, that he is a worshipper and a warrior. But as often happens, um, Saul gets jealous. Mm. Remember what happens then?
0: Tries to kill him a few times. I think, doesn't David marry Saul's daughter as well as like a reward for taking out Goliath?
1: He does. He becomes best friend with his son, Jonathan. And they have a very, very close friendship for um, almost, you know, like kindred spirits, brothers, that kind Mm. of sense and then but then David goes on the run. Yeah. And he has to hide from Saul because Saul's ready to attack him and take his life.
0: Yeah. And and one thing that like I keep coming back to with David, there was this situation um when he was in the desert and like Saul has armies looking for David, like armies upon armies. I can't remember where it is in the Bible off my head. And like David with his band of merry men are hiding in a cave. And Saul goes to in that cave, uh, do what you need to do, do his business. And then David has a prime chance to kill him, but he refuses. Like, he refuses to take that into his own hands. He trusts God.
1: Yeah, I remember when we went to Israel and we traveled to Engedi. So, Engedi is a desert near the Dead Sea. And as we journeyed there, we hiked through. I mean, it's unbelievably hot. And. Um, yeah obviously rocky and whatever and but there are springs and you can see ibexes or deer kind of all through you know mountain goats kind of going um up the rocks and things and you see the caves where david and Saul possibly had uh, encounters like that all through at the top of the i guess the mountains um of the hills or whatever they want to call them and, yeah, it was interesting to think, wow, they could have actually, you know, been here. This was kind of the location mm-hmm. of of this story. Okay, so after, um, do you remember how the whole Saul-David thing ends?
0: Um, I do. Uh, Saul goes to battle. Saul tries to visit a necromancer, I think it's called in the Bible. I don't know what a necromancer is. I think it's, it has something to do with. Talking to the people from who are dead, right? And he, uh, God, doesn't like that too much. Then he goes out to battle with his sons, and he doesn't come back.
1: Right. And as Saul dies,
0: I mean, David has a journey in there. We're skipping mm-hmm. over
1: that, but he has an like an unbelievable journey. Yeah. Uh, through that, that's definitely worth worth reading about. Then David will be crowned king yep. of Israel, and. Uh, anything about that you
0: well like David being learning how to be a king in the sheep fields being a shepherd pro- probably learned how to be a king in in other senses as he was on the run learning how to trust God learning how to because he was like no, like he had a reputation he was a dude that took out Goliath but everyone knew he was on the run yeah everyone would have known that Saul wanted him dead and the fact that he was still able to collect people and lead people and have people on his side like
1: he definitely faced his battles during yeah um during that time Uh, there's one instance in the bible in ziklag where uh him and david and his men were uh, they were pillaged and ransacked and there as they were out um and the women And children were all taken. And as Mm. the men and him return back to camp, all their women and children are are taken uh, from the enemy. And the men are ready to turn on him. Mm. They're they're distraught. They've been fighting for David. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the ones they care about are gone. And the scripture has this beautiful part. It says, and David, he went quietly away. And he went and encouraged himself in the Lord. Mm. And I think it really shows this warrior worshiper of who David was, he knew how to encourage himself. The great part of the story is they went and um, got the women back, got the children back. and um, But, yeah, it was definitely a huge a huge skill that when you face trouble that you are able to have
0: that moment with yourself and encourage yourself in the Lord. But he didn't always do the right thing. Nope. Probably the one big story we're we'll probably need to talk about is David and Bathsheba, right?
1: Right. So, actually, if you... If you look in Second Samuel chapter 11,
0: it starts off by saying, In the spring, when kings march out to war... I love that there's a time. It, like, there's a there's a time in the year where all the kings just go out to war. That's right? the time they're going to go and
1: go to war. Um, in the kings, in the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with what? his officials and all Israel. Hmm. Every time I read that, I go, David was not where he was meant to be. No kings were meant to be marching out to war and david stayed home and oftentimes you know we will not be in the right place at the right time and because we've made that choice there were consequences uh that came across david's path and one of them was the scripture says in one evening david got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace and from the roof he saw a woman bathing a very beautiful woman so david sent someone to inquire about her and he said isn't that Bathsheba?'" daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hettite. And David sent messages to get her. And when he, she came to him, he slept with her. Um, and so here we read that David pretty much takes another another person's wife and sleeps with her. Remember, he should have been at war, should mm. not have been home. Um, her husband was at war. Mm. To the point that then David then has to create this web of lies to try and cover himself as king. So he puts Uriah in the front line so that he'll get killed and he creates this terrible, you know, arrangement. Mm. What do you think when you read that?
0: It should be a deal breaker. like You know what I mean? Right. like, Like, he used his royal authority to cover up his affair. Yeah. Like, in, in the wrong place, but at the end of the day, used his authority, used his authority to kill someone's husband because he wanted their wife. And then he, like, and that's his last resort. Like, he tries to, because they realize Bathsheba's pregnant, right? Yeah. They, um, and then David tries to get h- him to come home so, but then he refuses to go home to his wife while all his while all his friends are out in war. So, like, yeah, it's just it should have been a deal breaker. like it's just it's hard to reconcile like the being a man after God's own heart and still having the capacity to do that.
1: But I think what shows the kind of man he was and the kind of God that we have, honestly, is yeah. when, the scripture in 2nd Samuel chapter 12 says so the Lord sent Nathan to David and then we will read in Psalm 51 David's response to Nathan. Nathan will come to David and just say to him basically hey you've done the wrong thing and I think you know whether we're teenagers or mums and dads whoever we are um You know, we need to have people in our lives that will tell us, hey, you've missed the mark. And God will send those people to us. But it's our decision whether we're going to listen to them and whether we're going to be teachable. And um, one of the most beautiful psalms, I think, is Psalm 51. And David is being confronted. At first, he doesn't know that Nathan is talking about him. Nathan says, oh, well, you know, this has happened. And David says, well, that man should be, you know, be in big trouble. And Nathan says, well, that man's you. And David uh, cries out, if you look at Psalm 51, it says, For the choir director, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. And David says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. And he, he just goes on. And I mean, the famous line, verse 10, God create a clean heart for me. Mm-hmm. and you a steadfast spirit within me. And so when David was confronted, that was his response before the Lord, creating me a clean heart. But often people confront us and we get defensive and, you know, that's not us. But we can take a line out of David's book here mm. and come before the Lord with creating me a clean heart. Mm. And I guess the very last lesson we wanted to mention, from I mean, there's so many, we're just skimming through David's life, is in 1 Chronicles 17 where David, David has a desire to build a temple for the Lord.
0: Yeah, yeah um, he does. He basically... As far as I remember, he goes, Okay, I live in a palace, but the Ark of the Covenant, which is, I suppose, for lack of a better term, a very important relic or for the Israels. And the it's city. considered
1: the container that held yeah. you know, the holy of the holy of holies. It's a big yeah. deal.
0: So basically David's like, I live in a palace, God lives in a tent, let's build a temple. Right. And then and then God's like, I'm actually pretty cool in a tent. Like for the most part. Like, I'm okay in the tent for the moment. But what he but what happens is is that God's okay with the temple, but he's just not okay with David building it.
1: And and he's not okay with David building it because David had blood on his hands. Mm. David was a warrior and obviously even you know, some of the sin and things that ha- he had carried out and the blood from different battles and things on his hand and God's very clear that um, David would not build the temple, but that he said his son would. Now, okay, if God comes to you and says no, you can't do it. You go, oh well, God hasn't asked me to do that. End of story. But what does David do?
0: David is it would be it would be super disappointing for him, I reckon, because like he has. Yeah, it's
1: a noble idea. Like yeah. I live in a palace. God lives in a tent. I need to give him something grand. Yeah,
0: and you know he he had the money he had the resources, wanted to do this great thing, and then God says no. And it would, like, he could have built himself a second palace, he could have built himself a nice, another winter home, but instead what he does is, he he knows that Solomon will build the temple, so he starts collecting resources. He starts collecting the cedars of Lebanon and the best stone cutters and the best this and the best that, and tries to do everything he can for... The next generation after him to do what, to do what he wanted to do to build that temple.
1: Yeah. So David becomes, I guess, the bank
0: mm.
1: to fund Solomon's endeavor. Yeah. And he passes on the baton to build the temple to Solomon, which of course we know that Solomon does. Okay, let's wrap this up. Um, there's so much we could talk, you know, all day about the life of David. If yeah. you were to name one thing. That inspires you about the life of David. What would it be?
0: Oh, God doesn't give up when you stuff up. Mm, that's a great lesson. Yeah, it's an important one to learn because you will stuff up.
1: Yeah, I love this line uh, that God says to David when he, you know, they're working out who's king, and and he says um, in that story anyway, the, God says, "Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart." Mm. And I think David's life is proof. That we look, oh he's done the wrong thing, but God is continually or you know, is is continually looking at what's on the inside of us.
0: And God's fired people for less.
1: <laughs> he has. Yeah. So I think just a reminder for me is to keep my heart soft before the Lord mm. and to keep my heart um, close to his, my ears attentive to what his word is, is teaching me so that yeah, I can please him and be a person after his own heart. Hmm.
0: Beautiful. Happy to wrap it up there? Yeah, happy. Thank you so much for listening, uh, guys. I hope that you've learned something about David. Make sure you get around some other people uh, to chat about this stuff because we don't want to do the Bible and we don't want to do life alone. Should we say who we're going to do next week? Sure. Sure. I think we're doing Abraham, aren't we, next Abraham. week? Abraham. Father had, Abraham. Had many sons. <laughs> See you everyone. Bye. Have a fantastic week.